Lights, camera, action. All right. So great to have you here on Easter. I'm thankful for every one of you that are joining us online right now. However, or whenever you're watching this, uh, we want to say welcome, and we pray that you feel Jesus and, uh, and, and his spirit today. We also have a congregation that's meeting right now in Carleton, the exact same time. We're one church and we have two locations right here and uh, at Carleton Elementary School. Family Life Church Carleton is meeting right now. Same message, uh, same spirit, and so we're praying that God is doing great things in Carleton. So that's great. Uh, but uh, I don't know how you got here. Some of you might have just showed up and said, uh, how did I get here anyway? I came for mom or whatever. We're glad you're here. We don't believe in accidents. So God's got you here for a reason. And uh, so we're praying that something today is going to connect with your heart. We've been working through the book of Mark as a congregation in this series called Marked. And uh, we've just been walking our way through the gospel of Mark. And now we find ourselves at its conclusion and uh, the, the dramatic conclusion, if you will, of that gospel. Now, most uh, scholars believe that Mark was the first one to, to pin out the the life of Jesus, to write it in, in written form, and uh, that uh, the books of Matthew, Luke, and John came after that. Um, we also know that it's Peter's story. Peter uh, was uh, such an integral part of the life of Jesus and the, the early church, and so Mark was his apprentice, so he wrote down Peter's sermons and stories and the life of Jesus. So Mark wanted to make sure that we knew, and Peter wanted to make sure we knew that the purpose that, that they presented Jesus was as God's son and as the servant king, the Messiah who uh, had come to save the world. And Peter is such an integral part. He's a big part of the Easter story. So many of us, sometimes you can't relate to anybody else. Sometimes you can just relate to Peter, right? Saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. But in the end, it works out, right? And, uh, you know, we express Easter in a lot of different ways. Just think about uh, the last couple years, how the different ways <laughs> we've expressed Easter. A couple years ago, we did in our PJs. How many like, remember that one? Brunch at home, and all you could do was watch it. Uh, and then last year, but, you know, I remember uh, growing up in the church, maybe this might not be your history, but a lot of times the, the history of uh, Easter was celebrating a lot of different plays and, and special musicals. And, uh, you know, when I came to this church uh, via George Fox back in the late 80s, uh, I, I became youth pastor here at this church after uh, finishing up at George Fox. And for a couple years I was here. And, and uh, the pastor of the church at that time uh, was a Peter type. I mean, he loved Peter. And we did at the church, they did an Easter play, and he always played Peter. And, uh, and he did a great job at it. He did a really good job. And I remember one year, it was, uh, it, we were kind of trying to pick up our production. And this side over here was kind of the cast was all behind what we called a scrim that was just pulled right across there. So everybody right here was watching the show or the, the play, if you will. And uh, everybody back there was uh, coming and going out of this, this thing. So you could kind of see through it. So you had to be kind of quiet. And uh, I remember, I think it might have been one of the first presentations we did it multiple times. Uh, the pastor comes and grabs my shoulder and says, can you do a rooster? And uh, I said, oh, yeah, I can do a rooster. I mean, you remember when you were just young and dumb and thought you could do anything? And I go, yeah, I can do a rooster. He goes, okay, when I go out and I deny Jesus three, team, three times, what this play needs is a rooster to crow. So uh, when I, on the third time, that's your, you, you crow. 
So I was just like, yes, sir, I'll crow. So uh, <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> so uh, you know where it's going to go. It's going bad. So anyway, we, got, we get to the dramatic point. Peter comes out, denies once, denies twice, denies three times. And, here's my, and I let out probably the worst sounding chicken uh, you have ever. I mean, it was horrible. The place erupts in laughter at the most poignant scene in the whole thing. And he comes behind the screen, looks at me, and goes, I thought you said you could do a rooster. <laughs> not, not to mention the lady that was running the play and directing the play, and she was convinced that I ruined it forever and would never speak to me again. But uh, so sometimes you've got, <laughs> sometimes we have those Peter moments, right? And, uh, but Peter was all about this story. And, and we, the, today, the, the message entitled Mission Accomplished because it's really, we've come to the, the dramatic conclusion of the life of Jesus. But really, really, as you know, we're here today because it was just the beginning. And uh, let's read today the last hours of Jesus on earth according to Mark via Peter's story. The, first, the last moments he was on earth and the first moments he came as glorified and risen and on his way back to the Father. Last week, we saw Jesus come into Jerusalem in what we call the triumphal entry. He came in, presented himself as the servant king, as the king of peace, and uh, in the triumphal entry, but we see that religious leaders would not let that stand, and they're determined to kill Jesus, and what we find as we read is they succeed. Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 24, says this, then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice and decided who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced charges against him. It read, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries or thieves were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Down to verse 30, 33, it says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemi shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Yeah. And then Jesus uttered in a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, top to bottom. Yeah. And when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. Now we move to chapter 16, and we're passing over the placement of Jesus' body in a borrowed tomb on Friday evening just before sundown. But in chapter 16, starting in verse 2, it says, Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But when they arrived, they looked up, and they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in, white, in a white robe sitting at the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be, but don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look at where they laid his body. Now go and tell. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. Obviously, this is the culmination and yet the beginning of the whole story. This is what we come to celebrate today. This is why we're in the room today is because Jesus paid the price for freedom and he is risen. Yeah. 
He is risen. In fact, one of the, the traditional statements, and some people said it coming in, you walk up and somebody say, he is risen, and the response back is, he is risen indeed. Yeah. Maybe you've heard that before. It's a declaration. That's why we're here today. But it's interesting to me that every once in a while I'll read a text and you see one line and you kind of wonder about that one line. And you, and you wonder, why is that just mentioned? Why is that just kind of a, only gets like a one line explanation? I want to I know more. But in verse 38, it said this, the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. At the moment Jesus died, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. It's an interesting detail. It gets one line in the book of Mark. It's also mentioned in the book of Matthew, and it just gets one line. Interesting. You know, from 1961 to 1989, there was a wall that stood that separated the cities of East and West Berlin in Germany. It was a wall that had become to symbolize what leaders would call the Iron Curtain that separated Western Europe from the communist Eastern Bloc nations. That those times, those years, were also known as the Cold War, which was a way to describe the tension that stood between the United States and the Soviet Union. Aren't you glad that tension is over now? <laughs> what we're seeing today, the war in Ukraine, is a cruel reminder that we're still there. It's very familiar. But it was 1987 that President Ronald Reagan visited Berlin, and he stood in front of the wall and made this now famous declaration to the president of the Soviet Union. And you remember what he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It was a challenge to end the oppression of freedom. Well, within two years, by 1989, several of those Eastern Bloc countries began to want their freedom and begin revolutions and begin to, to pull out and win their independence. And by 1989, the Soviet Union let the wall come down. In dramatic fashion, that wall was torn down. And when the wall came down, it was a symbol of freedom. And there was this new sense of freedom, especially for those people that have been behind the wall. You might remember those days. But long before there was a wall in Berlin, there was a curtain very similar, you might call it, it's not called the Iron Curtain, but it was a curtain in the temple that separated people from God. It was a separation from holiness and unholiness. It was a separation between my flawed, mistake-ridden life and a perfect, untouchable God. And the curtain was in the temple in Jerusalem, that was the center of worship, for the Hebrews, and literally that temple represented the very presence of God, and where the presence of God dwelt was in an interplace called the Holy of Holies, and then there was a curtain that separated the, the Holy of Holies. It was sealed off, and it was a separation. It was only lifted one time of year, and only the high priest could go behind that curtain one time of year, and he would atone for the people's sins. So as we study and as I've looked at this and you study in church history, you see this curtain in the temple was quite an incredible thing. Historians tell us that it was 60 feet high. It's a pretty high curtain. It was 30 feet wide. And writings tell us that it was the, the width was the breadth of a man's hand. So you're talking nine to 10 inches in thickness. It was woven together. All these garments woven, woven, woven together. And you can imagine 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, nine inches thick. History, historians tell us it would take 100 priests just to lift and manipulate 
this curtain. Other places I've read said it took over 300 priests. But what it, what it represents really is the distance from God, which was incredible. God behind the curtain. And then he was surrounded by other courts that only the priests could go in. And then there were other courts that only the men, if you were a Hebrew man, you could go in. And a little further out, then there was a court for the women. And then the furthest court out was for anyone that was not a Jew. So it's powerful that the moment Jesus died, he tells us in detail, at the moment Jesus died, that curtain is ripped in half from top to bottom. The curious thing about that is that it can only be explained one way that God did it. I mean, if it had said, well, it got ripped from bottom to top, maybe some guys could have got together if you got enough hundreds and hundreds of men to be able, that's almost impossible, but specifically, it's ripped from top to bottom. In other words, the wall was coming down. That's a powerful thing. And Mark tells us how Jesus lived and how he died and how he was raised again at the resurrection. But the first message in the series, we talked about Jesus on mission. That's how we started the whole thing, because Jesus came and he presented the kingdom. And it was Jesus on mission. But now we're declaring this, that it's mission accomplished. But it's a great reminder today to say, what was the mission? What was the mission? Well, if I can simplify it to this, the mission was simply that he came to declare that God became one of us. God became a man. God became us. And he was the only one that could pay the ultimate price for the sin that we carried. And in doing so, he kicked down the door. He ripped the curtain. He knocked down the wall. He opened the space that separated us from God. So let's go through that a little bit. First of all, the part of the mission is that God became man. And I know that's something we usually celebrate at Easter, or excuse me, at Christmas. That's the last time we saw some of you at Christmas. <laughs> that's a pastor joke that you don't think's funny, and I'm sorry. I didn't get the memo from Lisa, no joke, so. <laughs> but the fact that Emmanuel, God with us, I mean, I think we forget that sometimes. God became one of us. How important is it to you to say God can relate to you? Not because he's in heaven and we're on earth, because he's walked our streets, because he's come and he's been here. In fact, one place it says he was tempted in every way we were tempted, yet without sin, so God can relate to you. I love how in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, in the message translation, John uses the word, the word for God or Jesus. He's talking about the word. And it says this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. We saw his glory with our own eyes, the one-of-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Mark wants us to know that Jesus was God. He was man and he was God. He came as a servant. He came to change the world. And that's what everyone was waiting for. I don't know about you, but I think in our culture today, the same thing is just, can anybody relate to what I'm going through? That's what we want to know. Does anybody see me? And we've seen over, over again throughout this gospel as, as he walked through this book, as we walked through this book, that people coming in contact with Jesus, and it was always life-changing. It's God healing the sick. It's God delivering from demonic power. It's God feeding people, touching the untouchable, teaching. And he walked our roads and 
That was his mission, to say, I'm going to come and be like you. God basically said, I'm not going to send a go-between this time. I'm coming myself. That's the mission. God's here. Who does that? No other God but Jesus. And that was the mission that he accomplished. He came and he was God, but there was more to the mission. The mission also was that he was the one that paid the ultimate price that could be paid. So not only did God become man, but he paid the price. The price was paid in the person of Jesus. In other words, only Jesus could do what you and I couldn't do. Every one of us are born with a sin issue and a sin problem. And here's the deal. There's nothing we can do about it on our own. You can work hard. You can be good. You can try. You can run. You can be as successful as you want. Or you can run the other way and be as bad as you want. There's nothing you can do about the sin issue. And before Jesus, it was up to a sacrifice of an animal to make the difference. And that was only temporary. Like once a year, you could bring it. So basically what Jesus meant is he eliminated the sacrificial system that was in place. And just a, a, a brief Old Testament overview here of what would happen is that you would have to bring an animal that was without flaw. And on the day of atonement, the one time of year, we know this day as Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the priest and only the priest would go behind the curtain that one time of year and he would take the bull and he would take the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the altar behind the curtain to, to satisfy his own sins, to cover his own sin first. And then he would take a goat, the blood of a goat, and he would splash that on the altar for the sins of the people. And it's interesting in history, it says that when the priest once a year would go behind that curtain, they had bells on his robe so they could hear him moving around back there. And when the bells stopped moving around, <laughs> maybe there was trouble. And so they also had a rope that they would tie around his ankle. And they said, hey, Ned, you go on in there. And if we don't hear from you a while, we'll just pull you out. How many want the job of a priest? I don't think so. But here's the way it worked. And this is a simple summary maybe of the Old Testament. Don't, don't believe this is all inclusive. But basically, God told them, if you bring an innocent animal, I will accept it for your not-so-innocent life. But only as a temporary atonement, and then you've got to come back and do it next year, and the next year, and the next year, and the next year. Can you imagine that? You are responsible for this. Not only would the priest go back that one time a year, but you would come in, and you would bring, if you're a male over 21, then you're responsible for yourself and your family, and you would bring a goat or a lamb. You would present it before the priest, You'd lay your hands on that, that animal in the presence of the priest, and you'd, you'd almost just put your weight on that animal, and that would just transfer your sins to that animal, and the blood would be shed, and you were absolved for one more year. See you next year. You imagine this system. That was in place. But Jesus came as the once and for all sacrifice. How wonderful, how amazing is that? Once and for every person, he paid the price. The mission was to provide the antidote for the sin problem. We had this ongoing sin problem, and God said, not only am I going to come and walk the roads and relate to who they are and be able to connect with them, and they can know who God is, but I'm going to take care of this sin problem once and for all. I love how Hebrews, the book of Hebrews puts it, Hebrews 10, 
4 and 5 says, the blood of animals cannot take away the sins of men. When Christ came to the world, he said to God, you did not want animals killed or gifts given in worship. You have made my body ready to give as a gift. That was the mission. Why the cross? Why did he have to die? Could there have been another way? I don't know if you ever watch some of the presentations, whether it be like we were talking about, like a play or, or a dramatic presentation, or once they put out The Passion of the Christ, I've never watched another Easter play just because that's so dramatic. But ever, you know, at that same point, you're always saying, why couldn't there be another way? Why couldn't have Pilate made a different choice? Why couldn't they seen Jesus for really who he is? But see, it had to be that way. Jesus knew it had to be that way because the price had to be Paid. I don't want to go old school on you, but the price had to be paid. On the cross, he accomplished the mission. And the last thing today is that the mission accomplished one more amazing thing, that the door was open. The door is now open. You see, God comes as the perfect man. He walks our roads. He offers his perfect self ultimately, and what happens is the curtain gets torn in two. I'd just love to know how they explained that. <laughs> you know, that how do they explain a way that this curtain is just ripped in half? What Jesus was saying, what God was saying is, all right, that separation is now gone. I'm opening the door. Y'all, anybody from Texas? Y'all come now. Y'all come now. He just said, let's open. Never before had a God been that accessible. Think about that. Before the mission, God was inaccessible, unapproachable, a distant God. But all that changed when Jesus came. And I look at the religions of the world. No other religion in the world offers the opportunity to come to God personally and connect with him, to encounter him in a perfect and a personal way. You have this pathway to God. There's no more go-between. What was inaccessible is now accessible. Aren't you glad you don't have to come to me and call me Father Dave for crying out loud, man? It's just like, I can't do, I can't, don't, we go straight to Jesus. We go straight to him. And he says, guess what? The door is open. Come in. Another place in the Bible says, that gives me confidence to walk in, not cocky, but I can say, you know what? I know that the door is open and I can approach Jesus. Powerful. That was the mission. You see, so we say today, mission accomplished, but, but the mission isn't over. There was more to it. See, once Jesus accomplishes what only he can do, and he's risen again, just before he goes back to heaven, he has something to say to his disciples. And he basically passes on the mission to the church. And he says, now it's your mission. You know my mission? You watch my mission. Now it's your mission. I'm giving you the same message this is now your mission. Jesus', Jesus final act was to commission his followers to continue the work. So here's what I would submit to you today. Here's the big idea. It's this. The mission is accomplished when the commission is accomplished. The mission is accomplished when the commission is accomplished. Here how's the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And this is Jesus' words. Jesus gives him this charge. He says, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you, and I will be with you when you do this day after day right up to the end of the age. What is our commission? What do we share with others? It's simple. The story is God became man. Did you know that God became man and he can relate to who you are? He can relate to what you're dealing with. There's nothing that will ever surprise God. There's nothing too hard for him to handle because he's walked our road. He can relate to you. And the other thing is he paid the ultimate price. He took care of the sin issue. All you've got to do is go and receive it. And in doing so, he kicked the door open that now you can connect with God. Commission is accomplished when, or excuse me, the mission is accomplished when the commission is accomplished. And I don't have to tell you this. It's like Captain Obvious to say, you know, we live in some pretty exceptional times. We live in some pretty unprecedented times. Never before have we felt such an aversion to the gospel. What's that word aversion mean? It means a strong dislike or disinclination to the message. I would say that people are more challenged than ever to keep the commission to themselves. Keep it inside your four walls. You can show me what you had for dinner last week at Lake Tahoe, but don't tell me how you believe in God. You can show me all you want of your vacation photos, but just don't share anything about your faith. And I'm not talking about going out and making a nuisance of yourself. Because a lot of times we say, well, it might offend or it might single me out. It might lose me credibility. It might lose me friends. But this is different than a political party or partisan commentary. We have been commissioned to tell the story and our lives tell it the best. Do you live like Jesus came and related to you? Do you live like Jesus took your sin that you couldn't touch? Do you live like the door is open and you have access to God? The mission is accomplished in our day, in our home, in our community, when the commission is accomplished. So, Dave, what are you, what are you asking us to do? This is like, you know, I'm just presenting to you what Jesus asks of us, what this day represents. It probably one of the, you ever get one of those songs that just gets stuck in your head? I'm not talking about Baby Shark. Um, <laughs> But every once in a while, I'll be listening to Christian radio, and there'll be a song that comes on, and just like, it just kind of, it doesn't connect, it doesn't stick in my head, it sticks in my heart. You ever get one of those? And, and there's been a song on, on the radio, it's, been, it's called The Commission. I don't even know who the group is, they're called Cain, I don't know who they are. But it speaks of the commission of Jesus, and it speaks of the commission that Jesus has left us. And the person that wrote the song wanted to write it from a first-person vantage point of Jesus having a conversation with his followers. And the lyrics say this, see my hands and look at my feet. It's okay if it's hard to believe. I have faith that you're going to do greater things. It's my time to go, but before I leave, go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while, but goodbye's not the end. Don't forget the things that I've taught you. I've conquered death, and I hold the keys. Where I go, you will go too someday, but there's 
much more to do here before you leave. Go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while, but goodbye is not, it's not the end of the journey, the end of the road. My spirit is with you wherever you go. You have a purpose and I have a plan. I make you this promise that I'll come back again, but until then, go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while, but goodbye is not the end. I'm here to declare to you that Jesus walked our streets and he can relate to who you are and what you face. He came as a perfect and once and for all payment of the sin issue. And in doing so, he took the curtain away, he knocked down the wall, he opened the door for you to have full access to God. So as we come into this contemplation moment, I need to ask you today, have you accepted the offer of the open door? You see, Jesus is going to present that to you. One place in the Revelation, it says that Jesus gently knocks on the door. And if you open that door, he's willing to come in. And so I'm not going to assume today that just because you're watching us online on this Easter 2022 or you're in the room today that you have this open connection with God. But I'm giving this opportunity one more time for to hold this out to say the mission is for you to get it that Jesus just wants to connect with you. And the Bible says if you receive that, you become his family. So I would encourage you today, maybe in this last song that they're about to sing, if you could just have a conversation between you and Jesus, it would just be this. Jesus, I, I need you. Jesus, I want to open the door of my flawed life. And Jesus will say, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've done it. I have paid the price and I want to walk with you. Maybe you've already settled that decision between you and Jesus. Maybe you've just been reluctant to accept the commission. And maybe the news that Jesus' mission is still going and it's accomplished through us. We are commissioned. Maybe God is just speaking to you today that you need to live the story. You need to live the story that God was once just like you and that God paid the price that we couldn't pay and he opened the door. So let me just ask you this. What's keeping you from sharing it? What's keeping you from being a part of the mission? Jesus, we thank you, God, today for doing what we couldn't do, what only you could do. Took our sin, you nailed it to the cross, and then you came back to life in power and you commissioned us to tell this amazing story, to tell the story of a God who knows us, who loves us anyway, who's paid the price and has paved the way to connect with him. God, we thank you for this Easter morning celebration to declare one more time that you are exactly who you say you are and we can rely on you, we can count on you. Father, I pray for those that have made decisions today, whether in the room or online, to connect with you and to open the door of their heart to, to allow that curtain to come down between you and them, God, that they would not only have the courage to say that prayer, but to be able to tell us about it so we could walk with them, to let someone know of the decision they've made. God, I thank you for those 
this morning that have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in this room today that just maybe embolden them to live the commission because the mission is only accomplished when the commission is accomplished. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for meeting us in this room. God, we said from the beginning, if anything special, anything good, anything eternal happens, it's because, of you, it's because you're here. Thank you for being here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And again, thank you so much for being here today. Don't leave today if we can pray with you in any way. We have a, a prayer wall right over here to the left-hand side of the room. And if there's uh, something that we could pray with you about before you leave, uh, there's a, a host online right now that would love to pray with you if you're watching on, online. So, and uh, if you're looking for a church home and we're here, uh, every, we're not just here on Christmas and Easter. We're here all the time, every Sunday. We'd love to have you connect with us. But uh, if this is just that one time, we pray that uh, Jesus just got it right today in your heart and your soul. Uh, just before we go, I want to remind you again that our kids are having an Easter egg hunt afterwards. Uh, nothing says Easter like uh, pushing down a three-year-old for an egg. And uh, no, it's not going to happen. It's all wonderful out. It's going to be great. It's great to celebrate with our kids. They've heard about Jesus today before the Easter egg hunts. So we're great for that. But here's my privilege to say, until I see you again, and I hope it's soon, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life. He paid the price. He opened the door. He wants to connect with you today. God bless you as you go live the resurrection life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.